0: They are miracles. Amen. It's a reality. And uh, we're delighted to have each of you here. And um, also want to especially welcome the first-time guest. And we pray and hope that you would know you're welcome here. And welcome back. Well, we're going to conclude today the series we've been in titled Verified. Verified. And I want to teach and uh, primarily, and I might go into preaching some, and you don't know the d- difference to stay around long enough. We'll equip you to understand, but um, a message titled, Promises and Partakers. Promises and Partakers. I want to start in Second Peter 1, beginning in verse 1, and that's going to be our primary text as we walk through Second Peter 1, beginning with verses 1 through 5. The apostle peter says simon peter a bond and apostle of jesus christ to those who have who have obtained a like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our god and savior jesus christ it's one thing to have obtained faith in jesus christ as lord and 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 our savior it's another thing to understand God's plan and how he wants us to obtain his promises regarding all of life and regarding godliness for all the areas of our life. But he says, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our, and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power, that is dunamis in the Greek, we'll talk about that, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, okay, that through these, notice, have been given, past tense, God has already acted, God has already provided, God has already given these promises, that through these you may be partakers. God doesn't just want to give promises. He wants people, his children, to become a partaker. That means to experience the promise that he has declared and given of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. At this time, if you didn't receive a sermon card when you came in, you can uh, wave your hand and uh, just make a Uh, some attention to yourself, and it'll be passed out to you. But we want you to have this, not only to follow along, but most importantly, to go back over throughout the week what God is saying to you and to this community called Dwelling Place. And I'd like to pray at this point. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus Christ. Lord, as the seed. And Lord, he was planted in his burial, but He was raised victorious so that now he can be planted in our life and through us he could be multiplied and glorified that his fruit would extend to all the nations of the earth. I thank you that Jesus Christ is the foundation and that he builds his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And I thank you the powers of the enemy and deception that would try to hinder people from being a partaker of the promises of God is defeated and the blood of Jesus declares better things. We ask, Father, that Christ would be manifested, that you would reveal and and speak to every life in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. The psalmist declared and proclaimed, today is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. But I want to ask this question in response to the declaration the psalmist made. How did the Lord make this day? This is the day the Lord has made, and I shall rejoice and be glad in it. But how did the Lord make this day? Well, Paul answers this question for us in Colossians 1 and verse 16. For by him, that is Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities and powers, watch this, all things were created through him, through Jesus and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. It is through Jesus, the word of God, that God created today, and for that matter, created every day. In fact, the apostle John clarifies this further. In John 1.1, he says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, through the word, who is Jesus. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Notice what he says. He says that all things were made through him, through the word. There is nothing that God begins. There is nothing that God does or has ever done that did not start with the word who is Jesus Christ. When God is wanting to do a new thing on the earth, when God is wanting to do a new thing in our life, when God is wanting to do a new thing in our business and in our family and in our marriage, for those of us that are married, God always starts a new thing and he begins a new thing with the word, which is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word. All things were made through the word. God still makes things on the earth through the word, which is Jesus Christ. Christ. So let me ask you, if everything God does on the earth and everything that God has done, he started with the word, can there be anything in your life? Can there be any need that's in your life that's excluded from all things? No. There is nothing you've faced, there's nothing you're facing, nor is there nothing you will ever face that for God's will to come into that area It will not start without first the word coming. God begins his work in areas of our life with the word. With the word. Paul said regarding the words coming, regarding Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, taking on human form, that he was sent as the seed of God. See, the Son of God was the seed of God. Which means the word of God is the seed of God. Jesus taught this throughout. He's teaching on the kingdom throughout the parable of the sowers and parable of the seed. In fact, Paul in Galatians 3.16 says, Now to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. He does not say and to seeds meaning many, but as and to your seed who is Christ. Verse 19 says, What purpose then does the law, talking about the law of Moses, serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promises were made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for faith, which would afterward be revealed. What is he saying? Notice what he says. Paul says, and to your seed who is Christ. Jesus Christ is the seed of God. And the seed Christ made possible for faith to come. Meaning... People can't be saved. They can't have their sins forgiven. They can't be made in right standing with God until God sent the seed, God sent the word, Jesus Christ. But now that Jesus Christ has been sent by God and came to this earth, people can be made right with God. People can be forgiven. People can come out of sin and darkness into the marvelous light. This is why Paul in Romans ten seventeen says... So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? The Word of God. Faith to be saved from sin comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Who is the Word of God? Jesus Christ. Well, listen, faith for all your needs comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There is no need you will ever face as you follow Jesus Christ. There is no circumstance or event you'll ever experience. Where faith for that does not come from the Word of God, which is Christ. This brings us back to our original text. This is why Peter mentions the knowledge of God and the knowledge of Jesus Christ twice here in our main text. Why is this? Because the knowledge of God or the knowledge of the Son Jesus Christ means the knowledge of the seed or the word of God. It is the knowledge of Jesus Christ that we need in order for us to experience God's promise, God's provision, and God's miracle-working power for whatever you're facing. In fact, that is going to be the theme today. How do you experience the miracle-working power of God for the needs that you are facing? So you got to understand something. You are not going to, in your whole life, never face a circumstance, never face a mountain, never face a valley or a ditch or an event where you don't need the miracle-working power of God to deal with it. We are not dealing with a life where we can get things done in our own ability. There are going to be time after time where you need the miracle-working power of God to show up to blast through some mountains that you've been facing, some of you for decades, some of you for years, some of you for season after season. This is why Peter mentions the knowledge of God. Of the seed, or the knowledge of Jesus Christ, which is the word. Let's read it again, 2 Peter 1.1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How is grace and peace going to be multiplied? Through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through the knowledge of the Word, it's through the knowledge of God, see Jesus Christ, that God's grace and God's peace is multiplied into our life. He continues on, verse three, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Notice that God has already given us the power. That's needed for everything we'll face in life, for every circumstance, for every event, and for every area in our life that needs to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ or to be more godly. God has already provided his divine power that will make us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. God has already provided his divine power for everything we'll face in life. But it's through the knowledge of the seed, Jesus Christ, that you can then and only then partake of that power to change your circumstance. And I don't know about you, but I grew up in America other than our time planning a church in the Philippines. And there's millions after millions of believers who are people who attend church in America who will shout, who will do flips, who will run around, who will get excited about the promises of God. And yet I've met literally hundred after hundred who never experiences the promise of God they're excited about. And this is not God's will. God wants us to not just hear about the promises, to know about the promises, but he wants his people to partake of his promises. He wants you to experience his divine power for what you're facing in life and for the areas that have been conformed to this world instead of Jesus Christ. He desires you to partake of those promises more than you desire. He longs for you to partake of his promises. Partake of it. Peter says that these That his divine power that's been given to us, that verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. It is promises that God has given that contain God's power to work his miracles in areas where you need him to work in your life. He's given promises. He's given promises. What has a farmer been given if he wants orange trees? He's been given an orange seed. God's promises contain His power that will work His divine influence into what you're facing. But you have to know and have the knowledge of Jesus Christ because He is the clear example of what God's will is. That's why Peter keeps mentioning it. Then he says, it's through these that you can escape the corruption that's in the world. Let me break it down to you. Peter's saying, those who have obtained like precious faith with us. Those who have heard the call of God through the message of Christ crucified. That there is a way out of sin. Those who have believed the message that they have heard. The message about Christ. The message about the word of God who is Christ. He says, you've obtained precious faith. He says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. What is he saying? May your experience of the kingdom be multiplied to you as you know God and as you know Jesus. Remember, the word precedes all things. It is your knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ that's going to allow God's peace and God's grace to be multiplied into your experience in life. He says, when God called us through the message of salvation and we obtain precious faith and believe that Jesus is the way, the only way, then God's power did something. God's power then gave to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How did God, when you obtain faith in the message of Christ crucified, give to you all that you need for life and godliness? How did he do it? He did it through what's called the new birth, through being born again. See, because when you had faith in the message about Christ, who is the Word of God, the Spirit of Christ came on the inside of you, and you were born again. Now the Spirit of Jesus lives in your spirit. That is why you now have all you need for life and godliness, because you have received God's seed, which is His Son. And everything that God is and everything that we could ever need is found in Jesus Christ. And now you have the spirit of Jesus Christ, God's seed on the inside of you. Now this is why Paul goes on in Colossians 2.10 and says you have become complete in Christ. Christ, you want to talk about the difference of people who, when they face mountains, when they face valleys, when they face rivers, and they don't know how they're going to cross it, how they're going to get through it, how they're going to deal with what life is throwing at them. You want to know the difference of those who spaz out, freak out, and and go in a tailspin, and those who enter it with the confidence and a rest and assurance? is those who understand because I meet the mountain and I meet the river and I meet the circumstance and I meet the area about my character that God is revealing needs to be changed. I meet it with God's Son, which is His seed on the inside of me. Therefore, I'm not lacking what is needed for the mountain I'm facing. I'm not lacking what I'm needing for the circumstance I'm facing because I'm meeting it complete in Christ. Because I had the seed of God, Christ, on the inside of me. This is why Paul said in Colossians 1.27, this is the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you. Because when you got born again, God gave you a new spirit. He gave you a new capacity for the things of God. And basically, your life became a new field for the seed of God, His Son, to be planted in. To be planted in. See, Paul says in Colossians 2.3 that in Jesus, whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, he is all knowledge, all wisdom, all peace, all grace, everything you could need for life and godliness, you have in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2.3 says you're complete in him. And the apostle John picks up on it in John 1 and verse 17 He says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. When you receive God's Son, His seed on the inside of you, Jesus Christ is full of all the grace you will ever need. He is full of all the truth, all the wisdom, all the knowledge you would ever need for life and godliness. In fact, Jesus Christ is filled with the miracle working power of God. He's filled with it. What is a miracle? Well, one of the ways the dictionary defines miracle is an an effect or event manifesting or taking place that is considered as a work of God. A miracle is something that takes place that is considered God's work. God's work. And because you've received Christ, if you've been born again, because Jesus is on the inside of you, his spirit, then that means the power and the ability to affect and to, and to change and to produce all you need for life and godliness is on the inside of you. It's there. Why do you think Paul in 2 Corinthians 1.20 said, For all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. They're yes and amen. See, I don't know about you, but growing up, you know, uh, you'd go to your mother or your father or a grandparent, and uh, you say, hey, uh, after the baseball game, some of the friends are going to go eat pizza together. Can I go? But you never knew what was going to be the answer. Sometimes they would say, no, you can't go eat pizza with, with uh, the teammates after uh, the game. And you're like, why did you just ruin my life? You know what I mean? Other times you go to them, can I have ice cream? After the game, they're like, yes, you can have ice cream. You're like, yes, you're the best parents in the world. Other times you go and say, hey, can I get a new toy? Or can I go over to my my friend's house? And they're like, well, maybe. Let's see how you are. You're like, oh, great. Listen, this is not our perfect heavenly father. Our perfect heavenly father, his promises that are in Christ, that are in the new covenant, they're not yes or no. And they're not yes and maybe. They are yes and amen. God gives his promises, and with his promises is an assurance and a big yes. In fact, by the cross of Christ is God's declaration that all my promises that are in him and in his covenant of him shedding his blood and dying on the cross and his body being broken, all of those promises are yes. It's a big Yes. It's a big yes. Why are all the promises of God yes and amen in Jesus? Well, he goes on and says in 2 Corinthians 20, to the glory of God through us. See, God has given promises that we would become a partaker of that promise and it would lead to God being glorified more in our life. This is what Jesus taught in John 15. He said, how is my father glorified? That you bear much Fruit. Well, you don't get fruit without a what? Without seed. And God has planted the seed of Christ on the inside of us so that now he can live through us, that God gets the glory through our life, just like we sang that song that I never heard before, Take My Life and Multiply It. Multiply It. Multiply It. Peter, in our main text, likewise, he goes on there in 2 Peter 1, and he talks about fruitfulness and unfruitfulness. Now, if you grew up around the church and you started learning like scriptures early on and going to Sunday school and things like that, maybe you're like me, but one of the first scriptures you would learn early on is the one Paul told Timothy where he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. They taught me that, but they didn't teach me the Greek. I learned the Greek later. And in the Greek, when it's for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, power in the Greek is dunamis. Now, dunamis is where we get the word dynamite. And I don't know about you, but when I I go north, home into Kentucky and see family, I go over and through a mountain. And as you're driving along and through this mountain, you see where they've taken dynamite and they have blasted a road through the mountain. Why is this important? Because all of us who are born again, we fellowship with the Spirit of God. And He's not a spirit of fear, but He is a spirit of love, power, dynamite. What does that mean? It means God has already given us because he's given us the seed, Jesus Christ, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He's already given us the power that can blast through some mountains that's going to stand in your way as you're going on the path of following Jesus to the promised land he has for you. And many of you have been praying and praying and praying and praying and say, God, deliver me. God, remove the mountain. But this is not how it works. He's given us precious promises just like He gives a farmer a seed. And that promise contains the power to change things, to work miracles. I consider that a miracle when you take a small seed, an orange seed, and it becomes an orange tree with multiple oranges and thousands of seeds. I consider that a miracle. Why? Because that's God's work. He's the one that created the seed. So what I'm talking about today... Is that in order to partake of the promises of God that are yes and amen? You have to learn how to work the miracle working power of God times in your life. Times in your life. Because for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love power, of dunamis. Now listen, Paul, I mean, Peter right here says that God has given us precious promises. Precious promises that through these, we would be a partaker of His divine power in nature. Power, there's it's the same word. So God has given promises that through these, you would experience God's miracle-working power in your life. Many people just accept life and they accept the enemy doing whatever they want in their life because they don't know how to work God's miracle working power because they don't have the knowledge that in Jesus Christ who is in them is promises that God has for what you're facing in life. And God longs for you to learn how to work his miracle working dunamis power for what you're facing through the promises he's already given you. Because the seed of Christ is on the inside of you. In fact, you remember in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, Paul is trying to mature the church in Corinth about spiritual gifts and motivation of love with the gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, he lists many spiritual gifts. And if you read that, one of the gifts he mentions is the working of miracles. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. The problem is, is that's misleading. Because in the Greek, it's actually the working of dunamis. Meaning there's a spiritual gift that helps equip believers to learn how to work the dunamis power that we've all been given. Why? Because we've not been given a spirit of fear, but we've been given God's spirit, the spirit of his seed, his son, Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of love and power of dunamis. But you got to learn how to work that dunamis power for what you're facing, for life's circumstances. For areas in your life where the enemies tried to keep you bound for years, where the pattern of this world has been imprinted in the way you think, in the way you feel about yourself, in the way you view others and treat others, you need the miracle-working power of God to work the promise of God in that area. So by receiving the seed of God, Jesus in your spirit, you've been given all you need for life and godliness. Because in Jesus you have great and precious promises that are yes and amen. And that through them you may be partakers of the divine nature or listen, the divine purpose of God for your life. We need to ask ourselves in this moment, do I just desire to be excited about the promises of God? Or do I desire to be equipped to experience the promises of God? This is the difference of people who only live Sunday from Sunday because they live from excitement to excitement. But in between the excitement is misery. In between Sunday to Sunday, there's still mountains. In between Sunday to Sunday, there's still valleys, insecurity and rejection and... We need to move from just being excited about the promises of God. As Rachel read earlier, to be, take Jesus' yoke. Yoke in Hebrew and in the Jewish culture meant a rabbi's teaching. That's why he said, come to me and learn. We need to come to Jesus today and we need to take his yoke, his teaching, and let him, by the word, teach us how to work his miracle working power for what we face in life. That moves us from just being excited about what God said about our life, being excited about what God promised in our life, to actually being equipped to partake and experience it. And this is why you have a lot of frustrated believers. It would be like me putting you in a straitjacket and getting a list days before of your favorite food. I know we're getting close to time, so I'm about ready to uh, stir some fleshly desires, but the Holy Spirit's going to help you. Not think about the buffet too much. But I get a list of your favorite foods. Then I put you in a straitjacket and I just start describing all those foods. And then you think that's all I'm going to do. And then they bring them in. And we're like, eat the food. Here's your favorite food. Eat it. Eat it. It's for you. It, but you're in the straitjacket and you can't do it. See, that's where so many believers live. They live frustrated. Hearing about the promises of God. Excited about the promises of God. But never partaking of the promises of God. And this is what Peter is getting at. He's getting at all of this. In fact, Jesus, in the context of teaching about the parable of the sower and, so, and, so, and so, sower in the soils, he continues in Mark 4, verse 22. Listen what he says. For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Remember, Peter said God's already given you divine promises that are like seeds. A farmer can keep the seeds in the house or in the barn, and he'll have all the seed and promise he wants, but he'll never be a partaker. Jesus is talking about how to move from just getting excited about the promises to partaking of those promises. To the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And he said, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and should sleep by night and rise by day, and then the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crop by itself, first a blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? Verse 31. It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air must nest under its shade. Here's Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. He mentions ears. He mentions hearing. He mentions seed. He mentions that what is hidden will be revealed. He mentions seed sowing, sprouting, growing. He mentions mustard seeds. What is he talking about? Well, listen. Do you know why the kingdom of God is pictured as a mustard seed and not a stone, a flower, a bird, or an animal? because none of them can fit in your ear. The reason Jesus doesn't say the kingdom of God is like a, a rabbit or or like a, uh, some animal or like a stone or a rock is because they can't fit in your ear. But you know what can fit in your ear? A mustard seed. Because this is the way that God's kingdom prevails in our life. Is it starts with the ear. It starts with hearing the word of God. Remember, the word precedes all things. In the beginning was the word. God creates and does all he wants to do in his people's life through the word coming first, through finding out the promise of God that is not yes and no or yes and maybe, but is yes and amen. Notice also that Jesus says, nothing that is hidden, there's nothing hidden that which will not be revealed. There's nothing kept secret that should not come to light. Now, some people, when they hear that, they start trembling. Oh, dear God. All your past mistakes come up. You think God is this God that wants to shame you and bring all your dark secrets and the skeletons in the closets out front and embarrass you in front of all people. That's not what he's talking about at all. What he's talking about is how to become a partaker of his promises. You have to close your eyes to what's happening around you so that you can open your ears to what the Word of God says. This is why Jesus, when he was talking about what a community of, of his followers looks like, he says, You go in the secret place into the prayer closet and you close the door and you get in the dark place and you open up your ears to my word and you let my word be planted on the inside of you because what I hide in your heart in the darkness, what I speak to you when no one's around in prayer, it will one day be revealed just like when a farmer plants the seed it will one day come to and harvest so here's the question for us how often do you close your eyes to open up your ears this changes your theology on prayer Prayer is not an obligation. Prayer is a place to go into the secret place into the intimate place to receive a mustard seed and to hear God's promise for what I'm facing, His promises that are yes and amen for all of life, His promises that are yes and amen on where I need to become more godly and conform to the image of Jesus Christ. It is the dark place where His Word can get planted in me so that in due time I can become a partaker and experience the promise of God that is yes for your situation. See the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed Which when it is sown Grows up so that the birds of the air May nest under its shade That's what Jesus said Let me ask you this What promise has God given you in Christ That needs to be sown So that others may nest Under the shade Of that promise as you partake of it. This is why one of the most selfish things we can do. Is to not spend time in the secret place. In the prayer closet. Where the mustard seed of God's promise and word comes into our life. Because that promise to us. When we partake of it it leads to others being able to be refreshed and to find shade and to find revival and find comfort through us partaking of the promise. The promise of God is not just for you. It's not just for me. It's for the glory of God through us, and it will cause others to be blessed by it. Go in the secret place. Close your eyes to the mountains that's been standing before you. Close your eyes to the circumstances that seem to always be in your life so that you can open up your ears to the word of the king through a word of power and let him put his promise like a mustard seed on the inside of you so then as it you partake of it, it becomes a blessing. And like we saying, it's multiplied through your life. It's multiplied through your life. Let me speak about ministry. And ministry. You know, the Bible says that every child of God is a minister to minister Christ to others. The Bible says that every one of us has a ministry, some way to minister and reveal Jesus. That's why our vision here is manifesting Christ in many ways to many people. But think about this you understand that when a seed is sown, it's not in its final form. When you sow an orange seed, it's not in the final form. The final form is an orange tree with oranges on it. It's the same about ministry. You know why though we're all called to minister and to impact and multiply Christ through our life to those around us but very few people reach the place of ministering and walking in their kingdom assignment here's why is they're waiting to the future form of what god promised them but listen ministry doesn't start off in the end form it starts off like a seed and many people are waiting for the end harvest and therefore they're rejecting the doors of opportunity that god's put right before them they say i've called to preach and yet they have an open door to share the gospel in children's ministry but because that's not the harvest of what they see long term they pass up the opportunity but the seed when it's sown is never in its final form Zay, can i go ahead and tell you that you sowing your seed last week that you're going to preach your first sermon at dwelling place at some time because he didn't wait until the future harvest in the form he saw he took the opportunity gave before him because you have to start ministering with what's before you and jesus said if you'll be faithful with the little you'll be faithful with much You start off like me every Wednesday teaching the message of righteousness, never knowing who would show up and not. Sometimes two, sometimes three, sometimes four, sometimes seven, sometimes none. But every Wednesday I'm there. It's not the final form of how God's called me to minister and how he wants to multiply himself through me, but it's what's before me. So you take the seed and you begin to sow what God's put before you because the end result is not the same form as how you began. You began. But notice the mustard seed that pictures the kingdom of God must be sown. As long as you hold on to the seed, as long as the farmer keeps the seed, he can't partake of the power that's contained in the seed. If all you have is the knowledge of God's promise, but you don't learn how to sow the promise, then you'll never experience God's miracle-working power that will allow you to escape what you're facing and to experience the divine nature and the divine will of God for your life. So the question then is, how do we sow the seed? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. In Colossians 2 and verse 6, watch what Paul says here. As you therefore have received Christ... Jesus the Lord. So everybody that's received Christ, you can think back to how you received Christ. Paul says, remember how you received Christ. And the same way you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The same way you receive Christ is gonna be the same way you walk in and partake of the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ. It's no difference. The same way you receive Christ is gonna be the same way you walk in the promises of Christ. So let me break it down for you. As you receive Christ is the same as how you're going to partake of his promises that are yes and amen. As you receive Christ is the same as how you're going to walk in those promises that are in him. How did you receive Christ? You remember Paul? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 or one of our, all of our favorite scriptures. For it is by grace through what? Faith that you are saved. And that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, least anyone should boast. So how did you receive Christ? By grace through faith. How will you walk in him? By grace through faith. How will you partake of the promises in, uh, in him? By grace through faith. Now let me walk you through the progression of how these terms are synonymous in the Bible. Okay? So it is by grace through faith you will walk in the promises of God. But what is grace? That is God's provision. So if some of you, if God's called you to minister by building an orphanage and it's going to take a million dollars and you don't have a million dollars, then you need God's grace. You need God to provide for you what you do not have and can't provide for yourself. So by grace through faith you are saved or by grace through faith you will walk in the promises of God can also be put this way. By provision through faith, you will partake of the promises of God. Now what is grace? That is God initiating and Him influencing and doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. Let me put it this way. By God's initiation and influence through faith, you will experience the promises of God. God has given promises with his power and his grace to influence what you're facing. So let me put it this way. By promise through faith, you will walk in God's plan for your life. By promise through faith. You know why it's by promise? Paul makes it very clear in Romans 4, 17. It says God gives us promises so that we can be sure and certain. That we can be sure and certain. You have an orange seed, you're certain that it's going to produce oranges. So let me put it this way. It is by seed through faith that you will walk in God's purpose for your life. It is by seed through faith. But here we got to add to our understanding. Faith without is dead. It's useless. So it's by seed through faith, but faith without action is dead. So we can put it this way. By seed through sowing, you will partake of God's provisions. It is by seed through sowing of that seed that you will partake of what you need for all of life and what you need in all areas related to godliness. That's why Jesus pictured the kingdom as a Mustard seed. So look at it again, Second Peter 1, 3. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been, past tense, given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature." Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. You have been given promises. We have been given promises. Those promises are not yes and no or yes and maybe. They're yes and amen. He gives us promises so we can be sure and certain. And then we need these promises which are seeds. They have to be sown. Because in the promise, in the seed contains all the miracle working power needed to change what you are facing. So by God's divine power and by God's grace through faith in his son, the seed, we have been given all that pertains to life and honest that we may escape. You want to escape what the enemy meant for evil in your life? You want to escape wrong patterns of thinking? You want to escape bitterness and unforgiveness? You've been given a seed, a promise that's filled with God's divine power, and that seed has to be sown. So that you then may experience and partake of the miracle working power of God in the seed and promise that will change what it is you've been through, what are the result of what you've been through, what it is you're facing, and even areas of character in your life. How to work God's miracle working power to escape the corruption and experience God's life and godliness for you? By sowing the seeds of promise. God's grace filled. Promises are seeds that must be sown by faith, by action. You must sow them by an act of faith. Let me give you this example, the woman with the issue of blood. In Mark 5, 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Watch this. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Here's a woman, she's still suffering. Here's a woman, she's still growing worse. Here's a woman, she's not getting any better. Here's a woman for 12 years has been dealing with suffering until she heard about Jesus. Everybody say, until. See, you will suffer and you will face mountains and you will have rivers that will stand in your way and you will have areas in your character that need to be delivered and made like Jesus until you hear about Jesus, the seed of promise for what you're facing. But it all changed when she heard about Jesus. When she heard about the seed, about the one who is the yes to the promises of God, the one who is always a yes to the will of God, she heard with Mark six fifty six states, that as many as touched the hem of his garment were made well. And because she heard that if all, any who touch him will be made well, she said, if only then I may touch him, I shall be made well. See, listen, to touch his garment is to touch his will. To touch His garment is to touch the kingdom of God. If only I may touch His will. If only I'm clear on His will. If only I'm clear on His promise. If only I'm clear on that which is always yes. Always certain for me in Christ Jesus. Then I shall be delivered. Then I shall be whole. Then the mountain shall explode by God's miracle working power. See if you can only hear and know the promises of God that are yes and certain in Christ. You can partake and be made whole. And her by hearing of the grace of God that whoever touched him was made whole. Watch this. She by faith sowed the knowledge of his will by coming behind him in the crowd and touching him. See, she's suffering. Things aren't changing. I'm sure she's a praying lady. She's probably a fasting lady. I'm sure she's been in the synagogue for years and years and years. But she has not yet learned how to work his miracle working power for her life her area of need. But she hears that if I touch the hem of his garment. Then whoever touches shall be made whole. What do you do when you then have the knowledge of his will? What do you do when you then have the seed of promise? You have to sow it. She sowed the knowledge that if I touch him I'll be made well. By pressing through the crowd and touching him. Her touching him was her act of faith. Her sowing the seed of the promise that she had heard about. It's the same for you. What promise has God given you, but how can you act in faith on the promise of what God has said to you? Then Peter tells us what to do after we've sown the promise through our act of faith. Go to 2 Peter 1.5. Every counseling issue, every marriage issue, everything of life and godliness, this is how God works. If you will let the Lord teach you this, then I can probably retire of doing this on Sunday. Then I can mentor you in something else and... And some, but this is how to be a partaker of the promises of God for all of life in godliness. Second Peter 1, 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, not looking long-term, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his own sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. What does he say? What do you do after you sow the seed of promise that God's given you through an act of faith? You then add to that faith... Virtue. Virtue is moral courage. You add then to your virtue and moral courage the knowledge. You then add self-control to that. You add perseverance, which in the Greek is patience to that. You add godliness to that, meaning you do good because it is... Right thing to do whether it's convenient or not You add brotherly kindness to that You add love and then he Says you will not be barren nor Unfruitful in that area And Peter says I will not be negligent To remind you you want to know Great negligence among God's people Is to not remind them that God's Already given you promises that are Filled with his grace and divine power That can deal with anything you face In life and godliness and Peter said I will not be charged with negligence Of not reminding you that God God's already given you a way to work his miracle working power for your need by the promises that are not yes and no or yes and maybe but yes certain and amen in Christ Jesus. I'm Monday night. This past Monday I'm laying in bed next to Michelle. Now this coming Monday, tomorrow we'll be laying on a mattress um, because we're in the moving process. But last Monday we were still laying in a bed. And I got on the bed, and we're about to watch some of the kids are went to bed, and there's this book laying next to me. Now, those of you who know me know that most of the pods we just filled is my books, and uh, books, and I like books. So, I have an inventory in my mind of my books, okay? So, that's why people, if you ask me if you can borrow a book, the answer is no. I'll buy you the book, but you're not borrowing my book. I put a stamp on it, because I've, I've had too many people borrow, like, for eternity. You know what I'm talking about. They borrow books for eternity. They never bring them back. I said, look, I'll just buy the book for you, Please don't borrow this one that's, you know, got notes in it and underlined all that. Well, there's this book laying next to me, and I've never seen it. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And it's on the back. And so I flip it over, and as soon as I look at it and read it, I know instantly what God has done. He has just put a tangible prophetic reminder in front of me. Because I already knew I was going to teach and preach this. You say, What was the book? It's called The Carrot Seed. And I opened it up and it says, have a, have a great summer, love Miss Maureen and Miss Carrie. Alexa, who just graduated from kindergarten or pre-K or whatever that stuff is that you pay for. And uh, <laughs> her teachers, her teachers gave this to her as her gift. And it says, The carrot seed by Ruth Cross, pictures by Crockett Johnson. So that's interesting. Here's what it says. A little boy planted a carrot seed. His mother said, I'm afraid it won't come up. His father said, I'm afraid it won't come up. And his big brother said, it won't come up. Every day, the little boy pulled up the weeds around the seed and sprinkled the ground with water. But nothing came up. And nothing came up. Everybody kept saying it wouldn't come up. But he still pulled up the weeds around it every day and sprinkled the ground with water. of God or not it might come up it maybe will come up but it shall come up if I can touch the knowledge of his will I shall be made whole put the word first by hearing it this is being childlike in our faith receive the word sow the word by faith by some act of faith and confidence, that in that promise is the miracle-working power that can move mountains, that can change hearts, that can change our character, and then add water and weeding in the waiting as you watch expectantly, that it will come up, that the same one who promised it is the same one who's got the power in the promise to make it come to pass. And we're not just a people with the promise. We're people that are going to be partakers of the promises of God. And it starts by hearing. We want this to be a place for you to come out of the craziness of life that this is like a secret place for you to come and we're not just doing routine here on Sundays we're gathering in a secret place apart from the world that we can hear the word of God and we can get a mustard seed through our ear into the soul of our heart into the soul of the kingdom that in due time we become a partaker of what God has promised for us that he would be glorified in and through us and Christ would be multiplied people around us would find shades of hope, shades of grace, shades of refreshing So we partake of the promise. Do you know another way we can water? Another way we can weed? Seeds of promise that God's put on the inside of us is through communion. See, the mustard seed goes in the ear, but Jesus gave another way that we can utilize our mouth the communing with the provisions of His blood that was shed and His body that was broken. To weed out where we've allowed the cares of this life and deceitfulness of riches and tribulation and bitterness and persecution to try to choke the word of promise on the inside of us. This is the way to water and to weed Christ, the seed, and His promises on the inside. Paul said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance in the one who is God's big yes to all the promises in the new covenant. This is a table Paul called a table of blessing. A table where the Holy Spirit will water, strengthen your faith as you consider not your own body, consider not your own circumstances, but consider the finished work of Jesus Christ. As they begin to worship, I want to invite you to come as your own accord to partake of the elements, to fellowship with the seed of God who is the word of God, who is the yes and amen to all our needs, all of life, and all of godliness. You can begin to come as we worship. Again.